Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for January 10th, 2018. And we have a lot of games on the slate, 11 games. So we'll just dive right into this here. And I say this whenever there's a slate this big. You don't need to look for fringe plays. Just kind of look for the obvious source of minutes and value because there's a lot of guys to choose from. So first game on the slate is the Utah Jazz at the Washington Wizards. So right away from the Utah side of this game, I don't really think that there's anybody who's a strong play here. The Wizards, much better defensive team now with John Wallback. They are up to eighth in defensive efficiency, but also trending upward with a healthy John Wall. So I'm fine with not rostering the Jazz in this spot. Let's see, from the Wizards side of the game, John Wall has really significant home road splits for his career. He has really weird shooting percentages at home versus the road. So 8500 for him I just think is too cheap in a matchup that, despite being down pace, just not really that difficult without Rudy Gobert. Uh, let's see. Bradley Beal, his price is up. And then Otto Porter at 6100 I just kind of think that's fair. I think uh, John Wall 8500 is the one guy who I think is definitely worth rostering for the Wizards. Yeah, I think Otto Porter could be worth rostering too, but I prefer Wall, definitely. Um, this could be a spot where I would maybe want to target the Jazz for a contrarian stack on a smaller slate, but with this many games, it's just not necessary. So I think Wall and maybe Porter really are the only guys to target. There's not really any pricing value anymore on the Jazz. Um, there were some injuries that they were dealing with, and Gobert is still out, but everyone's kind of priced up appropriately, so not much value at all. Okay, so next game we have the Dallas Mavericks at the Charlotte Hornets. The Mavericks are playing on the tail end of a back-to-back on the roads. That is a slight downgrade to their players. The one guy I do think is pretty interesting is J.J. Barea is priced all the way down to 5400 now. He's been overall really consistent over the last couple weeks. His price did get a little bit too high for me when we saw him at like 57, 5800, but now back down to 5400. So even though he's only probably going to play like 23 to 25 minutes still if you look at his fantasy points from the last few games uh 29 19 29 27 39 33 so i think that he's a decent source of value at 5400 the upside is a little bit capped just because he's never gonna play like 30 minutes unless there's an injury he's just really locked into like the 23 to 25 ish range uh but i think he's a fine play uh, let's see. What was Dennis Smith Jr.'s minutes tonight? He's been he's been getting like over thirty pretty regularly. He got to thirty four minutes tonight. So I like Dennis Smith Jr. at sixty one hundred at that price in this matchup. And then something else to keep out uh, keep an eye out for is does Dirk get rested in this game? Because sometimes the Mavs do tend to rest him on the tail end of back to back. So that can open up extra minutes for somebody like Kleber or Dwight Powell from the Charlotte side of the game. Uh, I think. Dwight Howard and Kemba Walker are both fine plays. It's a down pace matchup, but still the Mavericks, not a particularly good defensive team. It's a pretty strong spot for Kemba Walker just because I believe that the Mavericks have been one of the worst teams at defending point guards this year. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of scanning through this Mavericks team. I guess since Dennis Smith played so much, maybe the Mavericks want to limit his minutes on the second night of a back-to-back at least a little bit. Um, yeah, Brea plays 25 minutes a game basically anyway, so maybe it's someone like Devin Harris who only played 13 minutes on Tuesday night gets to play a little bit more 
And Yogi Ferrell played in the 30s also. So we could just see the Mavericks kind of play every one of their guards the same amount of minutes. And in that scenario, it probably is only Berea, who I think would be worth using. Um, I don't know. I think the floor is a little bit lower for Dennis Smith, and we kind of just know that Berea will play in the mid-20s and probably produce some fantasy points. So I think Berea is, only, is the only Mavericks guy I would use. But yeah, Kemba Walker and Dwight Howard, especially Kemba, I think those are decent plays. Uh, not a spot I would stack, but there there is some decent individual value. And Dallas is allowing the sixth most fantasy points to opposing point guards, so I'd say that is a... Uh, good spot there for Kemba Walker. Uh, next game on the slate is the Miami Heat at the Indiana Pacers. Uh, from the Heat, I would assume that James Johnson's going to get suspended for this game. We don't know for sure that he's going to be suspended, except him and Serge Ibaka got into a fight tonight. They both got ejected. They both throw. They both threw. They're pretty weak punches, except they threw punches. So they were kind of throwing punches in the attempt of like, hey, look at me. I'm a tough guy, but we're not actually going to hit each other because we just want to look cool. But either way, I think the NBA is going to look at the video. They're going to see punches thrown. I think we're going to see James Johnson suspended. So the result of him not playing tonight, or at least sitting out about half the game tonight, was there was extra minutes for Whiteside, and there was a lot of extra minutes for Bam Adebayo, who just went off and had a crazy game. I think that it's probably not likely we see that many minutes for Adebayo again. I think we see more of Kelly Linick and Hassan Whiteside. I think this is a really good spot for Whiteside. The Pacers are allowing, I, I believe, more points to centers than any other team, and a uh, second most point fantasy points to centers. So if we're going to expect extra minutes for Whiteside, the price is at 6,800. He played right around 30 minutes tonight. So I, I think we could see that kind of minutes for him again. It is a little bit risky just because he's been so inconsistent with the minutes and his performance this year. But I think that those are... Uh, the guys who benefit the most are going to be Olenek and Whiteside. And then I think Drogic also a fine play. He's been playing really well recently. So Drogic at 6,500 in the plus matchup. From the Pacers' side of the game, we have to look out for Miles Turner is questionable with, what was it, an elbow injury. He was doubtful earlier in the day that he was upgraded to questionable. If he can't play, then there's extra minutes for Sabonis. At 6,400, he's not some crazy value, but I think he'd be a fine play if Turner can't go. And then also Thaddeus Young at 4,800 also would figure to see extra minutes and be a pretty good value play. I think that's cheap for him when we'd probably see something like 35-plus minutes from Thaddeus Young without Miles Turner. Yeah, 4,800 I think is Thaddeus Young's lowest price point of the year. So he might be a fine play anyway, even if Miles Turner is playing. But yeah, definitely a strong play if Turner's out. Uh, it's probably a boost to Whiteside if Turner's out, maybe even Olenek. Um, Whiteside is probably one of the riskier, or I guess he has a lot of upside, but it, it's one of the more boom-bust picks of the slate because he just played 30 minutes, and the Heat have been a little bit cautious with his minutes since he came back from injury. So after playing 30 minutes, and this is the second game of a back-to-back, I guess I wouldn't be surprised to see him play less than that. And Bam Adebayo should be the higher-owned player, uh, maybe the highest-owned from the Heat frontcourt because he just had that monster game. So I think my favorite Miami guy for tournaments is Kelly Olenek. Uh, you already mentioned him as someone who would would be taking advantage of James Johnson's uh, minutes vacancy. Uh, but Olenek, it, he was someone that we both like for Tuesday night anyway. So, yeah, that's just even more of a secure minutes floor, more upside. It's a good matchup. Um, and he should be lower-owned because he was so bad on Tuesday night. So I like Olenek a lot. And then another point on Dragic, um, he's already been getting more usage with Dion Waiters out. 
and he has more minute security. But Tyler Johnson also missed the game Tuesday night. Um, I think he is questionable. So that's definitely something to monitor for Wednesday night because if Johnson's out, then that should be another boost to Drogic, who is already, I think, way too cheap. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And then also we saw uh, we saw extra minutes for Wayne Ellington and Derek Jones Jr. started, who uh, still at min price, so it, he's not like some superb play. But Derek Jones Jr. got pretty decent run. And I think anybody who's the min price who could play like 25 to 30 minutes is worth looking at as a punt in GPP because if that guy just happens to walk into like a couple couple steals, maybe like a block or so, they those guys hit value pretty easily and let you fit in uh, let you fit in some studs. That's assuming that Derek Jones Jr. starts again, which isn't a lock. Uh, next game here to talk about is the Detroit Pistons at the Brooklyn Nets. 8700 is really cheap for Andre Drummond. I just said before that the Buck, the uh, Pacers allow the second most fantasy points to opposing centers. The team that allows the most is the Nets. 8700 let's see. For the most part this year, Drummond's been priced over 9000 So 8700 the only reason he's down is because he missed those couple of games uh, with the hip injury, or the rib injury. So now that he's back, he's playing regular minutes. He got... What was it? Yeah, he played 39 minutes in the last game against the Pelicans. So no cause for concern about the minutes. 8,700. I think Drummond's a really strong play. Ish Smith is fine at 5,700. He's been getting a lot of the point guard minutes for the Pistons. From the Nets side of the game, there's a lot of injuries for the Nets. Uh, we have Alan Crabb is doubtful to play. Damari Carroll's already been ruled out. And Nick Stauskas is currently questionable. So there's going to be a lot of minutes available in the, in the Nets front court. I mean, the Nets' backcourt. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie figures to play a decent amount. Joe Harris will probably start, but I find him to be a little bit less interesting just because he's really not good. So his his ceiling is not too high and the floor is pretty low. I think the main guys to target here are Karis LeVert, assuming he doesn't have a minutes restriction like he did last game, and then Spencer Dinwiddie at 6,700, I think is arguably the best player on the Nets, on the Nets roster right now, which is pretty ridiculous to hear me say because I was so anti-Dinwiddie last season. Uh, yeah, Dinwiddie's actually been decent. Um, if Levert does have the minutes restriction, though, I am more interested in Joe Harris because it would seem like those are the guys who directly take away from each other's minutes on the wing. So if Levert's on the minutes, re- minutes restriction, then we have to bump Joe Harris and then probably a bump to Spencer Dinwiddie, too. Uh, we mentioned a couple days ago that Levert does play a few minutes a game at point guard, which takes away from Spencer Dinwiddie's minutes a little bit. Um, but Dinwiddie might have the same minute security anyway, just because the Nets are missing so many guys with Alan Crabb and Mari Carroll and maybe Nick Stauskas out. So yeah, I like Dinwiddie either way, but the Levert versus Joe Harris minutes crunch, I think that's a, that's a situation to monitor. Um, and then yeah, Drummond, I guess it is just priced in that he didn't do well in the blowout against the Sixers. Uh, that was between the two games that he missed. So he had the rib injury, but between sitting out two games, he did play once, but the Pistons were just destroyed by the Sixers. So um, maybe the poor fantasy production is priced in there, and that's why he's kind of cheap. So even though this game is a really low total, I do think it's one of the more stackable games on the slate because there's value on the Pistons. Um, Reggie Jackson's out, so it's opened up more playing time for Ish Smith and then more usage for Avery Bradley, uh, 5,400, I 
Guess is probably too expensive for him at this point. So maybe it's just Drummond and the Nets, guys. I don't know. Would you use Bradley in game stacks, or do you think his price has gone up too much? Uh, I think it's a little bit too expensive for me on Bradley. Uh, also with, with Drummond back, because he did have a really big usage bump without Drummond in there, except he plays... Uh, his, his usage rating goes down with Drummond there. His usage rating is really high without Jackson and Drummond. So I think 5400 is just kind of a fair price for me. Yeah, I think then it's, if you want to use sort of a mini stack of the game, it's probably just Drummond, and I guess Ish Smith with, you can you can use probably at least three Nets guys in the same lineup, uh, especially if Nick Stauskas is out, because then they're just, there are only so many Nets guys that can end up playing minutes. I mean, maybe Milton Doyle ends up playing a lot or something. I uh, still don't really know who that guy is, but the Nets do not have a lot of players for this game. Okay, so... The next game we have to talk about here is the Chicago Bulls, the New York Knicks. From the Bulls side of the game, Nikola Mirotic's questionable play with the stomach bug. I, I find it really funny that he got sick because last last week it went viral with him eating mayonnaise and jelly sandwiches, and then he gets like ridiculously sick and then can't play the next week. So I think there's probably some sort of correlation there, and maybe just mayonnaise and jelly sandwiches are total crap which would not surprise me at all so if he isn't able to play more minute security for marketing good play 5900 bobby portis would be fine to play 4700 he played he had a really good game last time out without miritich and also played 33 minutes which was a season high for him so portis and marketing stand to benefit the most without miritich and then i think chris dunn at 7500 is in play anyway he's just been Really good this year. The Knicks have some of the worst point guard defense in the league. Frank Nielakina is a really good individual defender, except he comes off the bench and doesn't really play a ton of minutes. Jared Jack is old, not a good defensive player, so the Knicks struggle there from the Knicks side of the game. Kristaps Porzingis, I think, is a good play at 8,300. Courtney Lee is a pretty decent play at 5,100. He's not really like a super appealing player that you think about rostering, but overall, over the last few weeks he's scoring a little over 25 fantasy points per game so at 5100 in a plus matchup i think that's a good spot for him especially extra usage for him if uh, michael beasley can't play can you go back to that uh mayonnaise and jelly sandwiches thing for a second i had i had not heard that so like that's what miritich eats regularly or he had it once and that that maybe is <laughs> that's what made him sick no no he eats, he eats them regularly but he also i i'm pretty sure He's missed, like, 10 games with a stomach bug over the last three years. Like, I, d- I don't understand. You had mentioned at one point that it's a new thing in the NBA to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I mean, I, I just don't understand how nutritionists for teams can recommend such terribly like, unhealthy foods for players. I don't, I don't know how that still exists, but whatever. I don't know. The, the Bulls are weird. They had their offseason off-the-court issues, and maybe the— Whoever's running that team is just completely aloof. Well, Miritich just says that uh, his favorite snack is a mayonnaise and jelly sandwich, which yeah. is a, a totally ridiculous thing to eat. So. Aside from being disgusting, there's just that's like one of the worst combinations of things you could eat nutritionally. With, I mean, jelly is just pure sugar. I don't know. That's uh, that that sounds pretty gross. Also, um, yeah. If okay, so if he doesn't play, then I do agree with you on. Portis and Markin, and they were good plays last night. They should be good plays again. The Beasley injury does seem to have a big impact on the Knicks' chances 
um, I guess, the usage that goes around. Because Beasley has become a really, really high usage player. And for a while, I guess last year it was on the second unit. But even this year, um, as a starter or just playing with starters, his usage is high. Um, so that does impact Porzingis. It probably also impacts Courtney Lee, who you mentioned. So I think Beasley being out would be a bump to basically everyone on the Knicks. Yeah, uh, so one of the weird things about Beasley is he hasn't really played a ton of minutes, even though he's had some big performances lately. But Beasley's such a high-usage player when he is on the floor that there are just extra shots available for everybody when he isn't on the court. Yeah, um, even if he's only playing five minutes a game with Porzingis, in those five minutes it could mean two or three less shots for, for Porzingis, and that has a pretty big impact on his fantasy production. Okay, so next game here is the Portland Trailblazers at the Houston Rockets. From the Portland side of the game, Damian Lillard is once again questionable to play with a calf injury now. So if he isn't able to play, then it means another star for Shabazz Napier. Napier's been really good as a starter, but at 6,200, I think I want to avoid him against Chris Paul defense. I think that C.J. McCollum would become the guy to roster with uh, if Lillard can't play. From the Houston side of the game, let's see, what are their prices? Portland also obviously playing tail end of a back-to-back on the road. From the Houston side, this is really weird. Why is Portland favored in this game? Let's see, is that the case? The game's in Portland, right? No, it's uh, in Houston. Yeah, that that's just not correct. There, There is no line for this game yet, uh, I okay. guess because of Lillard's status. Okay, so from the Houston side of the game, Chris Paul at 9,700, I think he's a fine play. Same with Clint Capella at 6,800. And then nobody else who I really want to roster. I think Eric Gordon at 7,200, that's just kind of a fair price. And Chris Paul has just been really solid without Harden on the floor this year. And then also really solid over the last few games. I think people think about that first game against the Magic where he was really chalky and only scored 39 fantasy points. But it's worth noting that game was a total blowout, and he played less minutes than usual since then. 50 fantasy points in a tough matchup against the Warriors, 49 fantasy points against the Pistons, then 52 against the Bulls. That's good production, even at 9,700. So I think Chris Paul's a fine guy to pay up for. Yeah, I think there are probably guys I'd rather pay up for. I think he is an okay play, but we we don't have a Vegas line yet. I'm going to guess that the Rockets are pretty strong favorites, maybe even 10-point favorites for this game, with assuming Lillard's out. So there is some blowout risk. And then the pace is also slower when Napier plays compared to Lillard. Uh, so there's, I don't know, maybe it's a few less possessions a game. I think the number was six possessions um, per 48 minutes less for the Blazers when Napier's on the court compared to Lillard. So that takes away from Chris Paul a little. Um, I definitely agree with fading Napier. Uh, I would maybe use McCollum just because of that extra usage, but... I don't really like this game overall because of the potential blowout, and it should be a pretty slow game. The Rockets play fast, but it's not—it's probably not enough to make the Blazers that usable outside of McCollum. And for the Rockets, I think the pricing is kind of just fair. I would maybe have some interest in Paul, but they're similarly priced players. Uh, one guy we already mentioned is Drummond. So for DraftKings, I mean, they're different positions, but... It's still, with the positional flexibility on DraftKings, it kind of is the same. It doesn't really matter that they play different positions. Uh, so I don't know. I'll at least be light on Chris Paul. I think he's okay, but I, he's not one of my favorite players for the slate, even though I do agree with you that he has been under-owned, and the Orlando game was definitely an anomaly. 
Well, the next game has what is easily the top guy to pay up for. The New Orleans Pelicans at the Memphis Grizzlies, no Anthony Davis. So we're going to be seeing a ton of DeMarcus Cousins in this game. Uh, he has been huge this year with Davis off the floor. I just had a tab open with his stats, but I accidentally closed it. But whatever. Either way, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, Etwan Moore, they all benefit a lot with Davis off the floor. And the other thing also is the Grizzlies benefit a lot with Davis off the floor because the Pelicans are allowing 12 more points per 100 possessions with Davis off the court. So it's it's hard to really consider using any of the cheap guys on the Grizzlies because the production just kind of spread around and it's a lot of bad players. But Marcus Gasol and Tyreek Evans are both strong plays in a much better matchup than I think most people would realize. Yeah, Marcus Gasol, well, I'll say first, Cousins, I think, is certainly the guy to pay up for on this slate. But Marcus Gasol might be the best value of any expensive player. Um, it'll be a little tricky with him going directly against Cousins for foul trouble concerns. And also, Gasol is the one area of the Grizzlies' defense that is really strong. So it's not as good of a matchup for Cousins as it is for the rest of the Pelicans. But just the usage without Davis there is so high that it doesn't really matter what the matchup is. As far as Gasol, though, I guess Cousins as a defender probably isn't good for real-life purposes, even though he does create turnovers. But in terms of limiting the production of other players, it's probably a favorable matchup for Gasol, especially if Cousins is going to just leave him open and let him shoot. Um, but overall, I just think the price is too low on Gasol. He was up to 8800 just two weeks ago, and now he's only at 7600 um, so he's too cheap. It's a plus matchup. He won't have Anthony Davis guarding him at all, which obviously helps. And it should be a, an up-tempo game. Um, so I think this is a really stackable game with Gasol, Evans, and then the four guys on the Pelicans you mentioned. But there's no one else really that I think is in play. So a core of those six or maybe five of those six, if you only want to go with three guys from New Orleans, maybe Cousins, Holiday, and more, Cousins, Holiday, and Rondo, or something like that. Um, you can make a core of five or six players that I think works really well for game stacks, but I am a little bit concerned about the direct matchup of Gasol going against Cousins. Okay, so now I have those numbers up. Demarcus Cousins this year, 39% usage rating with Anthony Davis off the floor, and he scores 61.5 fantasy points for 36 minutes without Davis, as opposed to 54.5 with Davis. So Demarcus Cousins, big boost for him, and I'm sure a lot of people will be on him, but for good reason. The next game to talk about here is the Oklahoma City Thunder coming off a really bad loss at home. They got blown out by the Trailblazers without without uh, Damian Lillard. They're playing in Minnesota. So I think Russell Westbrook is fine to pay up for. I prefer DeMarcus Cousins by a pretty decent amount, but I think it's hard to think Westbrook isn't in play. And then Paul George probably going to be guarded by Jimmy Butler, so not really a lot of interest in me from him. And then, yeah, nobody else really, just just Westbrook, and then even him, I don't really know that I want a whole lot of exposure there. From the Minnesota side of the game, Jeff Teague has been upgraded from out to questionable for this game. He's missed the last handful of games, and Tyus Jones has been starting. So if Teague is playing, there's a little bit less usage for Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, but either way, they're still the focal points of the offense. Uh, but still, this is a tough matchup against the Thunder, so I think given their price at 8900 $8, I'll I'll be off them. Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of line movement for this game, probably because of Teague's status change. So the total was at 209.5, now it's at 211, and the Wolves moved from 3.5-point favorites to 4-point favorites. 
Yeah, it's it's a game that could be a little bit chalky because of how good the Wolves were last game against Cleveland. But yeah, this isn't a great spot for them. OKC is good defensively. And even Westbrook, I don't know, the pricing is probably just fair for him. It, it's the second game of a back-to-back, so yeah, that should be a little bit concerning. Um, but Cousins and I guess Gasol, I think, are just so much better guys to pay up for. And then maybe Drummond, too. So in terms of lineup construction... I mean, maybe I would have some Westbrook, but I think I would have a lot more of Cousins, Gasol, and Drummond as far as expensive players, and even Chris Paul probably over Westbrook. So, I don't know, unless you're making a ton of lineups, unless you're Greg and you just have an infinite number of combinations, then I guess there's there's not much need to go up to Westbrook. Yeah, infinite number of combinations. They actually, they've, they've uh, changed the max entry limit for me, and I'm allowed to play a thousand lineups every night. I don't know if people knew that's, that. That's, that's pretty that's, fortunate for you. Yeah, that's the new, that's the new rule. Uh, so next game is the Orlando Magic at the Milwaukee Bucks. Tough game for the Magic tonight. They did not play well. They also took Aaron Gordon out of out of the starting lineup because of a violation of team rules. Uh, I'm going to be off the Orlando side of the game. Milwaukee has been one of the better defensive teams in the league. There is some blowout risk here with this game being the tail end of a back-to-back, but really favorable matchup for the Bucks. The Magic are, let's see, uh, I think that they're sixth, I don't have the number, they're going to go down after after tonight's game, but they were at the sixth worst defensive efficiency in the league, and they also played a really fast pace, so Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe, all fine plays, once again, I prefer Cousins to Giannis, so I think Bledsoe and Middleton probably make more sense. And then Malcolm Brogdon also, assuming that he sticks in the starting lineup. Yeah, I think this could be a hard game to roster players. It's a bad matchup for Orlando. Uh, it is, I guess I'll note that Gordon did start the second half, so whatever the team rules violation that he had going on, whatever that was, doesn't seem to be an issue because they had him starting the second half. But yeah, I wouldn't use him anyway. Um, and yeah, I'd rather pay up for other guys than Giannis. But one thing on Brogdon... He uh, he actually played garbage time despite starting last game. I guess the Bucks just don't have that many players that Jason Kidd trusts to play at the end of the game. So, he, I mean, unless they're up 30 or 40 points, I think Brogdon stays in the game longer than the rest of the starting lineup. And they did, um, they did, I'm trying to remember, they lost the game to the Pacers by enough where maybe the starting lineup gets changed. So... That could be an issue for Brogdon. We'll definitely have to see if he's starting or not. But if he's starting, I think you can be pretty confident that he'll play most of his normal minutes regardless of the score. And it's especially concerning for this game because there's a ton of blowout risk for the Bucks at home against the Magic. They're a much better team. The spread's up to 10.5. Uh, it opened at 9.5, but maybe after seeing what happened to Orlando in Dallas on Tuesday night, uh, the betting line just moved, uh, seeing how bad the Magic are right now. And Jonathan Simmons does seem to be playing hurt. Uh, maybe Aaron Gordon's minutes are limited. Alfred Payton only played 20 or so minutes. So th- there's not a lot to like from Orlando. There is a lot of blowout risk. But I do think that Brogdon could have a higher floor and maybe a higher ceiling in a blowout than the rest of the Bucks starters. But overall, I think this is a game to just kind of avoid. All right, next game. And I like this game from a DFS perspective. The Atlanta Hawks at the Denver Nuggets. From the Hawks side of the game, uh, Dennis Schroeder is the safest bet for them usually. His minutes were a bit down in the last game, except that's just kind of random to happen. Sometimes he has a bad game, and Bud will pull him out. He was also uh, in foul trouble last game, by the way. He had three fouls in the second quarter. He actually picked up his fifth in the third quarter, 
and he was also playing very poorly. So it was kind of just the worst case scenario for Schroeder last game, and he still had almost 30 fantasy points. Yeah, this is and this is a pretty good spot for him. The other one, Torian Prince, is showing some upside this year, so I'm fine with rostering him. This is also another game there is some blowout risk, but if it stays close, the Nuggets really have a ton of big DFS performances. Nikola Jokic at 8,600. I know I was getting made fun of for saying I always like Jokic. This is another really good spot for Jokic. I just think 8,600 is too cheap for his upside. He scored over 60 fantasy points last game, and we've seen him do that a bunch of times. He has really as much upside as almost any other player on the slate. Like, I would say his upside is probably even comparable to DeMarcus Cousins, just the floor isn't quite as high. And then I think Will Barton, Gary Harris, uh, those guys also fine to play. Jamal Murray, uh, I I think there's a lot of upside in this game. It should be played at a really high pace. Yeah, Wilson Chandler also, I think, has pretty strong value for his price at 4,500. There's a lot of reason to like the Denver guys. It does seem like they might be cheaper anticipating the blowout. The spread for this game is at 9, so some blowout risk. But just looking at the prices, everyone is just a little bit less than they usually are, with the exception of Jokic, who's coming off a triple-double. But I I do still like him also. Uh, Yeah, you didn't even mention the triple-double. That was how he got to over 60 fantasy points last game. So you shouldn't be getting made fun of anymore for recommending him. That definitely was a good play last game. Uh, but I don't have a lot of interest in the Atlanta side. I guess if you want to go contrarian and stack the game and use Prince and Schroeder, those would be the guys. But I think for the most part, I'd probably just want to pair Jokic with one other Nuggets player or just kind of scatter a few Nuggets guys around, have some exposure to them, because this game does have a lot of blowout risk. The Hawks are really bad, and there are a lot of good value plays to like and other games to stack. So there are some strong plays, but I don't, I don't really like it that much for stacking purposes. Okay, last game on the slate, and this is going to be a fade for me just because of blowout risk. The Clippers at the Warriors, uh, Kevin Durant is upgraded to probable. Steve Kerr said he expects him to play tomorrow. And the Clippers without Blake Griffin, just not a particularly strong team. I I would be surprised if this stays close. And then also the Warriors players are all priced up because of extra production they had without Durant. And even though Durant 9,500 is kind of a playable price, I would assume that he has some sort of a minutes restriction for his first game back. So just for a point of reference, the last time the Warriors played the Clippers, which was on Saturday, the Warriors were eight-point favorites without Durant and with Blake Griffin in the starting lineup. So if you account for those two things, maybe the Warriors are 11 or 12-point favorites on the road. This is a home game. I think we'll actually see the spread for this game at 15 or maybe higher. Um, So that certainly screams blowout. There are still probably guys to like from the Clippers, assuming they can play normal minutes with all the injuries they have. Um, Teodosic is listed questionable. I don't I don't think he'll play, but Lou Williams at 8,100 and DeAndre Jordan at 7,800 have a ton of upside if the game stays remotely close, but I don't I don't know if that's something you want to bet on. If you if you wanted to stack the game though, there just isn't anywhere to go with the Warriors with all the guys they have with Durant back. So it's not even really worth it. I mean, if you wanted to use Williams and Jordan separately and just plug one of them into a lineup, I think there is a lot of upside there. But you're not really getting much value, even if you do predict correctly that the game stays close, because figuring out which Warriors player will have the big game is still going to be a challenge. Um, So I think I'm with you. Just kind of fade the game unless you want to get really risky and go with Jordan or Williams. Yeah, so uh, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GAaronBergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. 
And I don't know if we'll do a podcast for tomorrow. There's four basketball games on Thursday, but actually only three on the slate because the Celtics and Sixers are playing in the afternoon in London. Uh, so, I don't know, maybe I'll do another one of those short ones by myself that's just like 10 minutes long. We'll, we will see. Uh, but at the very least, we'll be back on Friday.